Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to uh, bring the word and your message to all of us today. Um, Thank you that your word is living word and that you are living God and you offer us living water. I pray that you use me in spite of me today and move mightily uh, in me and among us as we learn more about you, Father. You, uh, You are a great God and you are the king of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So last week, Pastor Andrew kicked off our Why Church series, and we were reminded about how we as a church of treasured possessions and living stones access truth when we're connected to the congregation. This week, we're going to explore why we do another reason we do church together, and it's because it brings health, which is the title of the sermon today. Did you know that participating in church services with the body of Christ is linked to increased health? Anybody know that? There's compelling evidence that many individual and collective or group goods arise from religious participation and that Christianity is actually well aligned with some of the findings of modern psychology. In chapter one of Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin, she writes about the benefits of church participation. Slide, Rebecca writes, for most Americans, going to church reduces mortality rates by 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. I'm chuckling because in the 9 o'clock service, I, I said something else. I said, mor- I said morality rates, which is, not, which is not what I meant to say. So uh, let me repeat it again just kind of for the record. <laughs> Rebecca writes that, quote, for most Americans, going to church reduces mortality rates by 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. They all laughed just like you did this morning too. Um, All right. Also, people who regularly attend church services are more optimistic, have lower rates of depression, are less likely to commit suicide, have greater purpose in life, are less likely to divorce, and are more self-controlled. And as a professional that sort of seeped in social services and mental health work, uh, it was noteworthy to me that all of those things are sort of accomplished or correlated um, with, without psychotropic medication, without formal therapy modalities, or without other evidence-based practices. Because in, my, in the work I do in a secular environment, we're, we're always striving to kind of do the research and understand the thing that will be most effective. So Rebecca also describes that church participation is powerful because religion fosters relationships and relationships with family, friends, and community really matter. Maybe a no-brainer to you, but it matters that we're in relationship. She posits there are seven biblical principles that contribute to the benefits that come from regular church attendance. You see them listed up there. I'm not going to read them out to you. But I would encourage you just to take a moment when you're reading those and you think about our Bay Area life, the climate and the culture that we live in, if there are any that stick out to you. One of the ones that struck my heart as I was preparing for this is is actually the last one, forgiveness is foundational. And I was thinking about in our current climate of cancel culture and how... um, People, uh, it is easy to move away from things we might disagree with or have a problem with or people that uh, having forgiveness as a foundation of our uh, being and the way we orient in life is a pretty powerful thing. 
All right, so why does church have this impact on people? There is something at the heart of the church and doing church that makes it possible. And the passage in John is going to explain what that thing is. So uh, the passage that Christina read for us this morning is a wonderful section of scripture. There are endless commentaries out there about the women of the well and the things, uh, many things to learn from this woman's encounter with Jesus. I sort of got lost as I was preparing for this message in the vortex of the internet and different books, kind of looking at all the things that people have to say about the women of the well. Today, though, we're going to focus our attention on three things. Uh, There are two important reminders and one call to action. The first reminder is that living water satisfies, flows, and brings health. It satisfies, flows, and brings health. Second, living water is available to all who believe. And third, we must respond to the gift of living water. And we should respond to the gift of living water. So let's dig into how living water satisfies, flows, and brings health. And and before we do that, um, I'm going to share a little bit about what it is, what living water is, and how it satisfies our deepest longings. So this passage takes place at Jacob's well. In this time, drawing from the well was done by women in the morning and the sunset hours, kind of the coolest times of the day. And we see that in verses 5 through 8. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Anybody? Anybody know? Okay. Sychar. Near near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So most people who live in our area likely have little experience with wells or well water, the kind that's referenced in our passage today. In fact, if you ask any uh, people in our Bay Area community or even turn to each other what living water is, you could get many different answers. Some might say it's a mountain spring or a river that runs, it brings water to people, um, Uh, or farms, it could be an ocean, uh, or even bottle of water. And so we have some pictures there for you today, and I'll just run through them really quickly. The first one with the rainbow is the the Amazon River. And I had a great blessing of being there with my family and some close friends this summer. Uh, And I took this shot, photo credits are mine on this one, um, thanks to my iPhone. But... um, Uh, Yeah, the Amazon River itself uh, has over thousands and thousands of tributaries that bring water, resources, healthcare to people in very, very remote villages. And so this shot, we're about uh, two and a half to three hours from kind of the main city, kind of upriver. So the Amazon River brings life um, of a certain kind. And then the next shot, I believe, is Marina Bay. I do love the Marina Bay. I walk there often, but certainly people might think that there is living water associated with bay. You know, there's sea life, there's animal life, there's a really unique and special ecosystem that happens in the bay and the ocean. 
The next shot is of uh, a swimming pool. You see someone swimming here. Another fun fact about me, I was a competitive swimmer, and that picture is of me swimming butterfly when I was in high school. And uh, certainly a pool is a place where uh, people might uh, receive some uh, fortitude or strength um, or willingness to carry on in that setting. And then the last slide is of uh, some water bottles. So uh, you may have been to a grocery store a time or two and turned the corner into a drink aisle and seen a whole shelf, shelves full of special water. Sometimes it costs a lot of money. Um, and it, sometimes the labels promise things like life or vitality or healing. And so um, those, those people might also think that that's living water. And so today I'm here to tell you that's not what we're talking about. I don't think that's what this passage is talking about, but we're talking about a different kind of living water. So I'm going to highlight that for us now. So those water sources, while they might bring physical nourishment, especially some of that water, um, the effect of them wears off, right? Their benefits don't last and we're likely thirsty again. Jesus, in this passage, uses the mundane act of drawing water at a well And John takes care to highlight it to illustrate a deeper and, frankly, much more exciting principle about what living water is. Is my mic okay? Yes? Okay. Throughout the book of John, he illustrates what it is to believe in Jesus through the use of physical images. Um, So in this passage... um, uh, water is the physical sort of reflection of water is uh, fresh spring water coming from a well. And, in this, and also water is being talked about as living water, which is the Holy Spirit flowing through, which is the spiritual angle. So there's physical and spiritual. And in this passage, the woman, the Samaritan woman is confused because Jesus has nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. You hear her sort of ask those questions. She was taking Jesus literally just like Nicodemus did in chapter 3 when he and Jesus were talking about being born again. So she's confused, but this isn't surprising. Like what, what we're seeing in the book of John is that Jesus frequently speaks in terms of the physical, visible acts to teach us about the unseen spiritual world. He teaches with double meanings all the time, and we're seeing that in this passage too. So living water is referred to nine times in the Bible. Here's just a few examples of that. Jeremiah 2.13 speaks to living water in the context of broken cisterns. Jeremiah 17.13, the Lord is the fountain of living water. Song of Solomon 4 is when Solomon admires his bride's beauty. And Revelation 7, where there is reference to people being guided to springs of living water. So, uh, in, in my studies and reflection, the Lord led me to this definition of living water, which we will throw up on the slide there. Living water is God's own life that comes through Jesus to satisfy our deepest thirst. This is a free gift to those who ask and receive. Living water is God's own life that comes through Jesus to satisfy our deepest thirst. I want to emphasize here that living water is a free gift to all who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You don't have to earn it by good works. It takes no striving. You don't have to prove yourself. You're given this gift of God's grace, love, and mercy um, from him to you for free. You You just have to ask and receive. And we see that in verse 10 here. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, 
and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Just ask and receive. Praise God for that. So let's switch gears to talk a little bit about what living water does. We've talked about kind of what it is, so what it does. Uh, First and foremost, it satisfies. Jesus explains to us that living water quenches our thirst, satisfies our deepest longings. We will never be thirsty again. And a person's deepest spiritual longing to know God personally will be satisfied forever. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I like the imagery of this verse in uh, the message, verse 14, where it says an artisan spring within gushing fountains of endless life. Can can you imagine that? Like an artisan spring within gushing forth uh, eternal life, fountains of eternal life is amazing. So the Holy Spirit flows through us, and when that happens, when living water is flowing through us, uh, the fruits of Eden start to grow within us. In Galatians 5, 23 remind us that when we keep in step with the Spirit, it allows us to deny the desires of the flesh and bear the fruit of Eden. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just imagine if we had all of those things flowing through us, spring within, gushing out from us all the time. And praise God, that's something we have. We have the capacity we didn't know. So, so another thing that happens um, when we are embracing a living water is that it flows uh, within us. And we have the capacity we didn't know we had or were capable of. So we, as humans, we often sell ourselves and others short when we try to operate on our own terms and through our own strength. We may only be using a portion of what is at our disposal when we move through this world independently and without Jesus. I've done this many, many times in my workplace when I've leaned on my own pride and confidence to figure things out. I've sought to identify perfect solutions to fix problems. I've carried the weight of loss of life on my own. I've attempted to protect others from harm. And I've tried to bring healing that is outside of my power. Let me tell you, the weight of that absolutely crushes me. This played out recently when I was charged with developing and running a foster care neighborhood for youth that have been living in residential settings uh, or facilities and or were hospitalized uh, time and time again uh, for psychiatric uh, concerns. I was honored to take on this innovative program as it had never been done in the state of California before and uh, the, the sort of potential effectiveness and what it could mean for supporting children Uh, was uh, high. And so I sort of took this on and um, had something to prove and was ready to uh, make this happen. And uh, it took a lot of my time. I I gave this project everything I had. And it took my time, my evenings, my weekends. It took intellectual space, sort of all, all I had to think was sort of poured out in this. And it took my emotional capacity. Um... 
One time, uh, you know, in sort of my distraction and overwhelm, I was pretty depleted, and I, it was a late night, and there were tears, and I was sort of a mess, and my husband, Greg, um, who, if you know him, is uh, really good with a one-liner. Um, he, he can, I don't know, his, his one-sentence remarks can carry a lot of power and weight, but it was in his, it was in a one-liner from Greg with his gentleness and kindness and wisdom and, and sort of wit uh, that he said to me, um, it's like you have nothing left for us. And us, meaning him and my daughter, Juniper. And what he was saying to me in that statement is that I had given myself away to my work, to the, to the kids that I didn't know, but I was trying to do a good thing for. Um, but it was in that moment in that line that uh, God used him powerfully, and it, I was blessed by the opportunity to rethink what my priorities were and, and what I was doing. And so in that example and many others, I've falsely leaned on Philippians 4.13. Maybe you do too. But it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I, I falsely lean on that in an attempt to access strength for the things I want to do uh, instead of what the Lord is leading me to do. Those efforts have fallen short and have even impacted my family negatively, like my example I tried to illustrate there. So John 14, 10 through 12 offers us another good reminder about Jesus' connection to God and the way his power makes great things possible. Verse 10. Do you believe that I am in do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. I love that passage, or that um, uh, scripture, because it, it's clear that when we're abiding in Jesus, we're abiding in the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, and when we're seeking the Lord's guidance in our life and work, incredible things happen, and we're able to contribute much more fully and touch even more people's lives more effectively than we ever thought we could on our own or that we even imagined were possible. So praise God for that. Now that we've familiarized ourselves with what living water is and does, let's explore who has access to it. Take a little sip of water here. Is everyone doing okay? Smiles, head nods, okay. All right. Living water is available to all who believe. It's kind of our second main point today. So in verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So let's talk a little bit about the woman. I love the way Jesus goes out of his way to connect with the woman's need for water in order to reveal himself to her. She gets to have a conversation with Jesus that is the longest recorded conversation with him in the New Testament. Did anybody? I learned that this week. Did anybody else know that? 
that she is given a new purpose and reputation in the midst of a mundane task. It's a little bit more about the woman here. She was a Samaritan, a Gentile, not a Jew. And this, her ethnicity would have been used against her during this time. Jesus, a man, took initiative in speaking to a Samaritan woman, which was a significant break with culture and tradition at that time as well. She was alone. Commentary suggests that the woman, who was also nameless, nameless and alone, was avoiding other townspeople by gathering her water in the most miserable, hottest time of the day. It was the sixth hour, which would have meant it was kind of midday, about noon, when she was doing this. Um, prostitute. So this might have led to her having an unfavorable reputation in her community, which might have been why she was avoiding people and going in the hottest time of the day. So we know that she had five husbands and the one she's with was not her own. But let me give you a quick note on the term prostitute. Prostitute is a pejorative term in modern day, and just likely the term brings up ideas or even images for you. Maybe even a song or a movie comes to mind. We run the risk of making many assumptions about those who are given this label. I have learned through my work that women, who also sometimes are men or children who are prostitutes, will make incredible sacrifices in order to care for the people they love. They are willing to do things other people won't do in order to survive. Sometimes this means they exchange their bodies for food, shelter, and love, if not for themselves, for their children. Just like Jesus does in this exchange, I would encourage us to see past what might be happening on the surface for this woman and for others with that title and deeply engage with those who may be considered different despite their behavior or the positionality they currently hold in society. So I wonder what the woman at the well was longing for. Had she tried to quench her thirst for security, belonging, love, or just survival by being intimate with men who are not hers? Excuse my tears there, everyone. Get, gets me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lucy. <laughs> In reflecting on this passage, I can see that I am the woman at the well. Although she and I do have some similarities in our backgrounds, which I won't get into today, I mostly relate to her attempts to quench her deepest longings with someone other than Jesus. Over the 15 years of my career, in my longing for purpose, identity, and power, I have at times idolized my work, my position, and my ability to influence change. While my training, experiences, and role allow me to be a part of very important changes in healing for children, families, and communities, and our public systems, I sometimes value the opportunity to influence those things over my relationship with Jesus and my connection to our body, our church body. 
I tend to think I can do it all on my own, unfortunately. (laughs) It is in these moments, minutes, hours, and days that I feel more important than I am, and I lose track of what God wants for and from me. God is teaching me, um, praise God, (laughs) that in these times, instead of a noble act of self-sacrifice as the hands and feet in Jesus, which I like to think that I'm doing, I am actually serving myself. So like in my example of opening a high-profile foster care neighborhood, it turns out my self-sacrifice is actually self-serving. And I don't think I'm alone in this. Aren't we all guilty in some way of quenching our deepest desires on our own terms and without complete dependence on the Lord? I hope today you see that we are all women at the well. It's not just me. When I read the Bible, I read story after story of love, redemption, and subverting the status quo to love more deeply. In that way, Jesus is a surprising and even shocking person, one who breaks boundaries and rules and the status quo to love people who haven't been loved by the world around them. This woman's encounter with Jesus shows us yet again that Jesus sought after the outcasts of the day. He did not limit his outreach to those who were approved by the standards around him. He did not do what is expected. He did not reinforce cultural status quo. Jesus was on a mission to capture the hearts and minds of all people, and God did much of that work through Jesus' humility and interactions with those who were unexpected. As we worked as a church toward an all-people's vision and growing more and more into that, shouldn't we follow Jesus' lead and be ready to engage those who might be different than us, embrace any discomfort we feel in doing so, and allow the Holy Spirit to move through us as we serve and point people to Jesus? Now now that we are reminded that Jesus satisfies our deepest longings and the Holy Spirit creates great things within us, anyone who believes has it flowing through them, we can look outward and see how it impacts others. That's where we're going to go next. So, we must respond to this great gift, the great gift of living water. And how do we respond? So once we have the living water, all the things that make for church uh, start flowing out of us. When we believe in Jesus, living water, like little streams of God's life, move through us to create beautiful things in the world that bring life to others. This doesn't just happen in the moment we were saved, but it happens in an ongoing way in our daily life as we walk with the Lord and in community with one another. John 7:38 says, "Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." So we have living water gushing through, through us, and we have rivers of living water flowing out from our hearts. So I think there are four ways we can respond to this gift. The first one is to worship, which flows out from our gratitude. We can and should worship freely and purely in response to the gift of living water. The word worship is mentioned in this passage 10 times. The only other word that's mentioned 10 times uh, is the word water. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, Jesus said to the woman in verses 23 but the, and 24, but the hour is coming and now is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. 
God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The second thing we can do is engage. We talked a lot about volunteer service earlier today, but um, connecting with the Connected with the body of Christ connects us to him. Because we each have living water flowing in and through us, connecting with one another allows us to connect with him in unique and personalized ways. This happens through coming, coming to church, attending home groups, participating in Gospel Academy, and living life with other believers. There are many reasons that people disengage with their church and community. And uh, many have over the last few years. Many have disengaged from life uh, at Solano Community Church. But some of that transition is expected um, for uh, lots of reasons. But some of it wasn't. Some of it was surprising. In the book, I Guess I Haven't Heard That Yet, by Shauna Nequist, she captures my heart exactly in this statement about why she chooses not to walk away from church, why she remains engaged. Quote, But nothing gets healed or restored or brought back to life unless those of us who still believe in hope, in honesty, in confession and prayer, in the sacred reality of the church gathered, keep gathering, keep working, keep praying, keep making changes. And so I stay. We can also serve. The flow of living water continues when we serve our communities and engage outcasts like Jesus did. So we have the word, we have sermons, we have Bible studies, we have videos now, social media, commentaries, all about who God is. But what are we doing if all of that knowledge and pondering doesn't actually lead us to serve and give generously to each other and to our communities? Here's the beauty of it. Because we have living water flowing in and through us, we actually don't have to wait until we have how to do that figured out for ourselves. Um, when we offer ourselves with willing hearts and with faith to our community, we'll be used mightily. We need to embrace our faith and have a willing heart as we discern how and where to serve. We can also evangelize as we share about the good news of Jesus Christ and invite others to join us in that celebration. We see in John 4, later in John 4, that the woman of the well then goes on to evangelize in her community. Verse 39 says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Many commentaries indicate that she was the first female evangelist, and it's noteworthy she was a woman who evangelized to men in that day. In verse 28, I I just really like verse 28, because this uh, detail, the woman left her water jar to go back into town to tell people about Jesus. And I love that imagery too, because it's as if um, she gets it, she sort of understands that it's not about physical water from the well, but it's about living water um, from Jesus that uh, uh, is is what uh, Jesus was trying to teach her. All right. Moving on to a little bit of application for as you go into your week, hopefully into home groups or into your workplaces. Educators, you're going into classrooms, um, and there's a lot going on. It's beginning back to school. Parents are busy. Kids are busy. Educators are busy. Um, but we're reminded today that the impact of Christ, of the impact Christ has on the people and our body. He satisfies our deepest longings. He brings health within and uses us to bring healing to others. So I'm going to leave you with just a few questions to ponder this week. 
that are going to be up on the slide here. Uh, So what are you longing for, and to what extent are you allowing Jesus to satisfy and quench your thirst? Are you living like you have living water flowing in and through you? Is the second question on the slide. And how are you responding to this incredible gift? So my hope is that those three questions uh, you take with you this week to really ponder and ponder through the lens of John 4. Um, You can put that last question up on the slide, please. There, there's all three. Um, Think about the ways the woman of the well might help illustrate um, these three questions and how they apply in your life today. So Jesus' statement that we will never be thirsty again isn't a promise that we won't experience hardship. In fact, we will. Hardship is even used by the Lord to press us deeper uh, into relationship with him. And instead, never be thirsty again is a powerful reminder that our deepest spiritual longing to know God is satisfied forever in and through our belief in Jesus and with the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. One of the ways we stay connected to that truth is remaining connected to the body of Christ, our church family. We do that by coming to church, attending home groups, volunteering, remaining in fellowship with others, and that helps us be healthier and allows opportunities for living water to flow through us out to each other um, like ripples across the water. So my daughter, last slide, my daughter, Juniper, that's her right there, that's my girl. Uh, She is almost eight years old, going into third grade on Tuesday. Um, Since she was very little, we've been saying to her, hydrate when you recreate. Whenever we are out and about, when we're hiking, when we're exploring, when we're swimming, when we're traveling, and while that statement has... that statement has always been about consuming water to support the sort of functioning and safety of her body, right? Um, but I was reminded this week of a larger lesson here, and this, this is it. As her mama and in community with all of you, I hope that we teach and model to her and all of our children that um, the water we really need isn't from the tap, and it's not just about doing backflips into the pool or swimming butterfly or jumping in the waves of the ocean, that my prayer is that we show her and each other through our actions and not just our words that the water we really need is the living water of the Holy Spirit, which is endless and will sustain us forever. And that engaging with our church community will not only bring us health, but also create opportunities for the Spirit to move out from us and bring healing and blessing to those around us. We have the honor and responsibility to bring ourselves, our giftedness, and as Martin said two weeks ago, even our toe jam to each other as we, by the power of the Spirit, bring good news and healing to the world around us. So I'll challenge you, the next time you see a child with a water bottle or someone you know, a friend, family with a water bottle, or better yet, someone you don't know with a water bottle, Maybe you should ask them what they're drinking and then share a little bit about the living water that you drink and how that quenches your thirst. I'll pray. God, thank you so much for your living word, that you are a living God, 
and that you offer us living water that it quenches our deepest longings and thirsts and allows us to bring healing to ourselves and to one another in our communities. I pray that you've moved mightily today uh, through me and that the words uh, are, are pleasing to you and that uh, they touched, they've touched our hearts here today. God, I love you and you are great. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.